listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. Well, I don't know if it's going to be the happiest episode, but it's definitely the 100th episode. We did it, buddy. It took, I'm going to count the years, six years to get to this point. Five and a half, six, but... We're just marinating, baby. We're just we're just letting it letting it letting it bloom on the vine. Uh, probably not the rate of your average Kings podcast. Mm-hmm. That's what makes us special. One hundred times, one hundred times. You ever read Tolstoy? Still reading Tolstoy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's never finished, baby. That's the, that's it's the beauty never, of it. It's never. It's not meant to be a quick read. It's supposed to make you think, <laughs> That's get right. you there, read a chapter, come back two weeks later with a whole new perspective. That's what we bring. We're we're the we're the Leo Tolstoy of LA Kings fan podcasts. I can't think of a better way to kick off <laughs> and the one hundredth episode. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you've been listening for one hundred times or one hundred episodes, I'm. 90% sure that I love you. The other 10% we're sure that you're related to us. There's That's no right. other reason. Which means I love you anyway by default. <laughs> so. That's right, because you're probably married to us. That's that. Or so someone gave birth to us. Sure, I'm 100% sure I love all of you. Uh, <laughs> how are you tonight, my friend, Barbie? Uh, apparently well. <laughs> I, I, was, I was ready to... I told you this before this, I was, uh, I was kind of ready to go fire and brimstone on this one. We'll not get even there. because, yeah, I'm, I'm not even like, so I guess we should give it some timeline here. Obviously it's been two weeks now, more than that, since the game six loss, uh, to the Oilers. Uh, we're not proud of the fact that we predicted the Oilers would win in six, but, uh, I was, I was okay with it. I really was. I didn't, I didn't feel, uh, particularly heartbroken or anything it just kind of went up went along with my life and uh it's settled in even more now i think i have a more objective less uh emotional view of it the player exit interviews have happened those have been analyzed as well uh we're halfway through the semis now and get to see uh how these teams fare against other opponents specifically the oilers against vegas uh, not doing too hot, <laughs> which is nice to see. Uh, yeah, I don't know. How are you? How are you doing? I'll tell you how I feel about all this after this episode, or okay. towards—I should right. say—towards the end of this episode, because I'm still pro- it's I'm still processing not the loss. It's not the loss that I'm processing. I'm over that. I'm processing what's next. I'm trying to figure out where this team is headed where it Mm -hmm. could potentially go and what it's going to look like come training camp. And that's probably going to be a a big bulk of what we talk about today. So, yeah. And I think digesting those things with you always gives me a clearer picture on how I feel Vardy. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm here to help your digestion. Thank you. Uh, Always need help in that department. (laughs) 48, no joke, man. Once you get there, you're telling me I'm not there yet, but I'm, uh, you're feeling uh, it. Knock, knock, knocking on that door that's for sure okay so let's uh i don't know i guess overall here's where i'm at with this i i I accept that the kings are still in the quote-unquote learning phase we're still learning from our mistakes we're still learning from our experiences 
And I know a lot of fans probably don't want to hear that or they're saying enough with the learning. You know, it's time to get results now. But but no, like, let's be realistic. They are still learning. They're still a young team. If you're, say, Edmonton and the Kings eliminated the Oilers, that's not going to fly. You're not a learning team. Like, this is, with cap constraints and all that, this is who you are with the age group you're in with your players. Like, this is kind of who you are and their fans would have every right to accept that. But from our perspective, I think it's fair and it's not a shortcut or it's not a whatever you want to call it excuse to say that this team is still in his learning phase. And this was another tough lesson for them to learn. So that's like my overall coming out of this series. So no, I'm not crushed, but I certainly do have a lot of questions and I don't Mm -hmm. Like, it's similar questions to, to last season, I would say, but I think the questions become more poignant now because now you have the expectations that are going to go up. You're now, to quote Rob Blake, like, you're not happy to be here anymore. Now you're, it's time to win. So we're entering the it's time to win phase for this team. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty much what, what we're going to cover today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a that's an excellent way of looking at it. Um you know, there's there's two schools of thought, Ted. I think I think there's there's those who look at the uh, the pieces that the Kings have that are still very significant to their roster, but are on the tail end of their careers. Namely, at this point, uh, with having Jonathan Quick been jettisoned this season, you're left with Drew Doughty and Andre Kopitar as the last remnants of the Stanley Cup teams who are still productive, valuable members of this team. So you have a very uh, uh, logical camp of people saying that's another year lost in their career. These two guys who are, who are you know, your number one defenseman and still your number one center, um, still very productive players you just wasted a year of their career to expect them to be as good as they were next year, as they were this last year, you're starting to, you're starting to ask for a lot. And the question is, do you look at that as your window? Do you look at that segment of we have until these guys kind of fall off their productivity cliff to make another run at this while still incorporating the younger guys who are coming up or do you look at it more so as, well, there's still room for the Adrian Kempe, Gabe Velarde, Quinton Byfield, potentially next year, Brant Clark core to come in and have their two to three year run where they're kind of blossoming and hitting the peaks of their career. And no, 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 that's actually the window. And if that happens to coincide a little bit with the last couple of years of the Dowdy Kopi years, then then we got something right i think that was that's the hope right i think the hope right. was that the the two windows or they would overlap and become one right long extended and of course in the middle there you've got deno fiala arvidson yes that are your bridge so to speak they are very much in the age group to bridge to to overlap so i think that's the hope and i think that's the ideal yeah I, but i think you're absolutely dead on about Kopitar specifically, I think. Yeah. Um, he's doing fine. He could play till he's 42. Mm-hmm. He could play at a high level till he's 40. I don't know. But 
we do know that it will stop at some point. So the question is not stop, but it, maybe it's a gradual thing, whatever. But but the point is, at some point, you're not going to be able to to lean on him as heavily as the Kings have been leaning on him for the past few seasons. And there's no sign of that slowing down next season, another year older, and likely the next two seasons. Really, I don't see I don't see how anyone's going to usurp him from that number one center spot. There's, you know, in an ideal world, Quinton Byfield is a hit. And mm-hmm. I think we'll talk about Byfield, I'm sure, quite a bit here. Jury's still out. Let's be honest. Like there's, and it's fair to say the jury's still out, and it's fair to give him more time. Um, but but that's kind of the million dollar question. Is like where is that the the closing of the gap, so to speak, or bridging it? In theory, it's there, but I think there's a serious concern about whether the high end top of your lineup 25 26 minute guys are going to be there in those two in those two positions that you mentioned specifically i think that's are they going to be there to create that overlap yeah and, and partly partly that's a concern because of what you brought up is that there is no heir apparent there is no one as of yet at least for kopitar who's going to jump in and be that guy there, there's been you know phil Deneau is not that guy Quentin Byfield has not shown that he can be that guy yet. Probably, if we're being fair, you know, another two, three seasons away from even potentially, if the development curve progresses slowly, showing that he could potentially even be on that level. But that's that's part of the problem, is that if you had someone, if you had a player who was coming in and clearly showing that they had... 1C uh, caliber ability that they could bring within the next two or three years, then maybe you don't feel so pressed to capitalize and make the best of Kopitar's years as your as your your top center. I think that's that's part of the conundrum here. Um, you can't you can't play Kopitar as a two C because you've got no one to play as a one C, and so therefore you're stuck relying on Kopitar for longer and longer and later in his career to be your top line center. Not saying he can't be that guy, but it's it gets riskier. It gets riskier when every year you have him penciled in to be your number one center because you have no other option for anyone else to be your number one center. And to be fair, he would be number one center on several teams. Hands to, down. Yes. Hands down. Just to clarify. Hands down. But, yeah. Okay. Um, we, our last episode was before game six and seven, or <laughs> game six. Game six. Game six. I was going to say six and seven. Remember, we uh, did not go seven. Yeah. You know. Yes. Uh, potentially seven. But um, quickly, let's, we could go over game six a little bit. I think we should do that. Uh, I thought the Kings played well. I mean, let's be... I thought it was their second best game of the of the series. I think there's two games where they were the better team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they lost was, both of them. <laughs> and they lost both of them at home, which is, is both of them at home. It's a, it's rough. And those are two games they should have won. Two games you're supposed to win. And more or less, that's the series. Again, like a lot of comments uh, sent at us, whether it be through DM texts personally whatever is like oh if only if only game four the truth is and this is the way i feel i think even if the kings did win game four i think that series is going seven 
That's yeah. just my, if I'm being honest with, I mean, look, the results bear it out. If you want to play that, mm-hmm. play that, play it that way. But we all know butterfly effect, yada, yada, yada. You don't know what's going to happen game to game. The result can change everything. I understand that. But if, if everything played out equally, we're still going to game seven mm-hmm. in Edmonton. So yeah, if they only won game four, sure. But I don't, <laughs> I don't like the Kings chances game seven in Edmonton. I'll take them. I'll take those chances. Um, but it's not like I would be warm and fuzzy inside about it, you know? So yeah, I don't, my, I guess my point is like, yes, if they go up three, one, maybe things are different, but it's also very possible that Oilers still win this series in seven. Yeah. I just, I find that they're, they're too difficult a team to just assume that if you had gone up three, one, that, you would have been able to put it away. The same team that showed up and came back from that 3-0 hole in game four would be the same team that you would have to play for at least three more games afterwards. You know, like they they have way too much talent and the Kings were playing that talent, playing against that talent in, in way too passive. And, uh, you know... <sighs> they weren't doing a good enough job consistently stopping the chances that talent was creating for me to feel like we got them. If we go three up three, one, I think it still would have been very, very close games where in the end, the the Kings would have won by just hanging on for dear life or ultimately the Oilers talent would break through, which is what it did. Now, that being said, they didn't win game six necessarily, or even, this series, all due respect to all of the goals that Leon Dreisaitl popped in and continues to pop in and, and Connor McDavid's otherworldly talent, the bottom two lines were what lost the series for the Kings in reality. I mean, it was, it was the guys that, that I made fun of and the names that you were throwing out ahead of time that I thought for sure the, the Kings' bottom six would be able to out outmatch and it just didn't happen the Clem costins of the world were you know the the nick bugstad who started as just kind of the face-off guy potted his own goals in there and it's just that's that's just kind of how it goes sometimes yep Kyler so, yamamoto with the series winner right i mean five that's, on five by yeah the way. yeah exactly and so it's i i never got that feeling that the kings were in control of the series at any point when they were up 2-1 i didn't feel like they were in control when they were up 3-0 in that third in in the fourth game you just there was just too much time they're not the oilers are not a team that the kings can control the way that they were playing and the way that the kings are currently composed against that team one thing i did notice in game six still played the one three one but there were different looks uh, there were a couple of times where in where it was just a neutral zone play where the Kings sent two four checkers. I did notice that. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed they were being a little more aggressive. They were treating certain plays as 50-50 pucks, and they were going after it. Even on the PK, I thought they were a little bit more aggressive. So that's good. Mm-hmm. It's good in the sense that it shows that, for better or worse, Todd McClellan changed some things. You know, then that was a big topic for us in the last episode is like, Will he be able to adjust? Will he be able to kind of go away? Because in in game five, it was just like, dude, you're down. We talked about this, but it was just you're down two, three, and you're still 
you know, flipping it out and, and going into the one, three, one. Right. And it right. just wasn't, you know, it just seemed like there's gotta be more strategy to this, especially with the score being what it is. I thought there were enough changes maybe to win that game, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't happen. But the encouraging thing is that I, part of me believes there will be changes in terms of the King system, in terms of the way they, they handle the neutral zone going into next season. I really do think that now. Well, I mean, you could just look at the exit interviews, right? I mean, McClellan himself kind of was just like, you guys are going to ask me about the PK. Someone's bound to ask me about it. Trust me, I know it's our it's our summer project, you know? So I think that's that's encouraging. We saw the dramatic change in the power play, granted that involved the changing of an entire coach. Um, I, I don't know necessarily if that's what it's going to take. But the change in just the strategy, the deployment, the approach to the power play, the mindset of the power play was so dramatic that it it really saved them quite a few games throughout this season. It really became a strength. It it became a point of like, okay, if we go on the power play, sometimes we can we can win this game because of the power play. You know, even against the Oilers, a couple, I mean, the game, I follow's game winner was a power play goal. Several games, Listen, they had the, several power play goals. The Kings were 33% on the go. power play in the playoffs. That's better yeah. than Edmonton's regular season, yeah. Mark. Yeah. Shorter sample size. Obviously, we know what the problem is, that the other side was close to 60, but yes, go on. Right. But, so I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that there's room for further growth, like you said, for more learning and more adjustment to what I feel like and what you have, I think, agree with me are the true strengths of this team. I don't believe that this team is a good team when it sits back and it waits for the other team to approach it. I think this team is not like prior iterations of the Kings team. They're aggressive. They're in your face. They're not necessarily, you know, ramming you through the boards or or intimidating you or anything like that but they're worker bees they're they'll they'll come at you they got a bunch of dudes with motors on them and i think you're doing yourself and your roster a disservice if you're not capitalizing on that kind of you know talent and drive that you have if you're asking those guys who have made a living and have made a career by being aggressive four checkers to just hang back and wait for the game to come to them i don't think you're going to get the good results that you that you should be getting with the kind of roster that we have right now personally yeah agreed and with that again not to harp on the 131 because i expect that it would still be a a tool in the toolbox and it should be it should be because it works against certain opponents i'm not even you know but the problem is like what did this do It, it puts a lot of pressure on your puck retrievers Right. Right. Because they're the last line of defense. And if teams are like cool with dumping it in and just forechecking that one retriever as hard as possible, you know, that's going to be very taxing. And I think that's what happened. And who are those retrievers? The guys who are getting the most ice time, the guys on your PK, right? Like right. your top four guys are going to be on the ice as much as possible. And your top four guys are your top, top penalty killers. Right. It's and, usually and- the right side D, right? I, th- I forget exactly which defenseman was the one in the back, but I believe it, it was the right side defense. That typically is the one hanging back. Yeah, I'm not completely sure either, but but yeah. certainly Drew Doughty is the you know 
always the one retrieving back there right from from what i remember so right um so there you go like it's i i'm confident there will be adjustments and i hope to see adjustments and i, and I do agree with you i think this team is a four checking team yes i think you look at the up and down victor arvidson for as little as he is for as whatever you want to say was getting pushed around he's a disruptor on right. the four check and that's what you need especially you're looking at the oilers man they're they don't have guys who, who can make clean plays under pressure look at the vegas series yes it's right. only 2-1 the kings were in the same spot things can change but when vegas goes aggressive on the cody cc's of the world on whoever broberg Desharnay, whatever Desharnay, whatever it becomes issue issues for that defense they cough up the puck they make plays they don't want to make does it expose you maybe for you know a stretch pass sure but you got to take your chances man you got to take your chances and believe in your guys and your trevor moores you know guys like right. that they're going to create turnovers and you could start your attack not from the neutral zone but from the offensive zone and get and get right. better looks so yeah i think i i just i find that the team is just it's deep in two-way players right like our, our all our wingers are two-way guys all our centers are are like career two-way players you gotta you gotta deploy them in that way in my opinion i i think that's if you know putting myself in their position if i if that's the game that i know that i can play and then my coach tells me don't do that my instinct it's like fighting my own instincts right like i i watch them play i watch how they pounce on these loose pucks when they're there and you can tell that that's what these guys instinctively want to do so it's i don't know i, yeah, I think i'm over explaining it but it's it's it is complicated, right? Because it's they're still playing two way, but the problem yeah. is they're at being asked to counter punch. Yes, like a hundred feet away from their net. Yes, that's yes. the difference. I think that's the main difference. You mentioned exit exit interviews. We can kind of go through a couple of key sure. points that were made. Um, I thought right out of the gate, and this is I, we might as well get into the goaltending, right? Screw it. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Blake mentioned that they want, and this is not a big shocker, but the line was we want Cal Peterson to be an NHL goaltender and you could take that and dissect it and and try to figure out where they're going with that comment but I don't know uh, what was your takeaway from there because a lot of people jumped immediately to well you know Copley Peterson in training camp and I'm not so sure so yeah um I think I'm I'm sticking to my thoughts that they do want to re re-sign corpus solo um it comes down to a little bit of price um i i find it very difficult to believe that rob blake would give up a first round pick to get two guys and lose both of them you know and i think if if cal peterson had shown enough throughout this entire season in the ahl that he was ready to be an NHL goaltender again, then maybe the Kings don't feel the need to actually go out and get Corpusalo in the first place. But clearly that wasn't the situation. So I don't know if if Blake is trying to paint a rosy picture and give optimism to Cal himself um, because he does get paid like an NHL goaltender. And I think I think the way I read that was or heard that was we want him to make good on the contract that we've given him essentially mm -hmm. i don't know if that's just lip service i don't like i said i don't know if that's 
him trying to tell Cal that like, you know, come to training camp and show us what you got. But I think it would be very strange for them to have a Cal Peterson Corpusalo tandem because you're probably going to pay Corpusalo about the same as what you're paying Peterson right now. And then you're kind of right back to where you were with Peterson and Quick with 10 plus million dollars in your in net. Yeah, I will say there's I think there is a chance that you can get Corpusalo for a reasonable amount. I do under not under five? Yeah. Yeah, under five. Really? Well, listen, um, would you say Okay, so his last contract, have you seen his contract breakdowns over his what career? Was it like two point seven, something like that? It really wasn't. I don't think much. he's I don't think so his <clears throat> last contract was was like one point something. If you okay, look at it. yeah, I'll, bring it I'll, up, bring it up, up and yeah, we'll yeah. talk about it. But I, I think my thing is like, has he done anything to warrant five million dollars legitimately? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that's a legitimate question you have to ask. No, no I, 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 yeah. Another part of this is like, look around the NHL right now. Which goaltenders are still playing? I'll tell you who it's not. It's not Vasilevsky. It's not mm-hmm. Shesterkin. It's not Sorokin. Mm-hmm. Um, who else do you, do we consider elite? Um, Soros never made the Soros, playoffs. Yeah. Um, Ottinger is still in, so he's Borderline. maybe the, okay. So he's maybe the best goalie that's left. Allmark. Allmark. Allmark was probably playing injured, but regardless, he got shelled, and Boston right. got eliminated. Right. So it's like goalies, and we've talked about this a ton. Mm-hmm. Goalies are <laughs> voodoo. <laughs> you never know. What, who's going to take you there? And I think we're at a point in the NHL where you don't need an elite goaltender. Not that I'm saying Corpus Salo is elite, but maybe Gavrikov's the one they focus on. You know what I mean? Like if you're looking yeah, yeah, at yeah, it, yeah. if you're looking at it like that, it's like, do you really, if Corpus Salo is going to come out and throw numbers like five, I think you absolutely have to walk. It's not possible. Yeah, that's fair. It would no, be I, I guess I, I'm sorry. I, 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 I thought he was getting paid more than he actually was. And so I assumed a bigger raise was there. Right. I think I was remembering his prior contract, which interestingly was he was getting like 2.5 for a couple of years in Columbus and then signed a one-year deal for, yes. for a lesser amount. Because he was he was injured. He was hurt, right. He was hurt. He was bad. You right. know, like, but this season he was terrific, obviously, by all metrics. Yeah. So is it, a, you know, is it another show me type contract? Right. You know, is it right. another short term, like, hey, you know, here's 2 million for mm-hmm. two years, just, We'll get you on the next one if you if you, if you if you do the job, and that what that does is it opens up the opportunity to buy out Peterson next season right. for a much more palatable cap hit. Yes, can't buy him out now. You just can't yeah. do it. It's too crippling. Yeah. You you do bring up a good point though. You bring up a great point about the, what goaltenders are still around, um, not just from the Kings' perspective, but from the perspective of well, who's going to want Corpusalo, and how much are they actually going to want to pay him, knowing that really you could you could have a couple average goaltenders and get deep into the playoffs if you really needed to like when i think about what team would potentially go after him i can't think of anyone that would be willing to throw that much money at yeah, him four for, million five like, yeah i don't think that's yeah, happening yeah, yeah. Dude. i just yeah. don't think that's i don't think he's yeah. getting that on the open market yeah because that's i, I think he's a terrific goaltender and i've right. said this a hundred times right but at the end of the day like has the numbers played, don't bear it out. Right. Yeah. Has he played well enough to get $5 million on a long-term deal? No, he yeah. has not. 
that's just the reality of it. I think if if you're gonna focus, if if you're at a point with your cap, and we'll gotta gotta get into that too. If you're at the point of your cap where you gotta pick one, I think you gotta pick Kor- uh, Gavrikov at this point. That's interesting. It's an interesting transition from where we were, you know, less than a month ago when that when we were having this discussion of which guy do you let go. Yeah, but I think, uh, but it's true. It's true. I, unless you find someone that's going to take on Cal Peterson's full contract from you, I, I don't. Yeah, I guess. I guess the way I think about it is like, okay, if if the Kings played Copley in this series, mm-hmm. how, how much would different the would the series yeah. have been? Yeah, I think Corpusalo made saves that that Copley would not have made. Mm-hmm. But but maybe Copley stops the ones that Corpusalo let through. Right. The Towards the end of the series where they were game, getting a little starting bit. from the end of game four, right? Yeah. You look at the king goal, the tying goal in game four, yeah. maybe Copley stops that. Yeah. The Hyman goal. I don't know, man. I think Copley stops that. Yeah. Now, did Corpusalo previously in games one, two, three, and the start of four make saves that were ten bell saves that you're maybe like, dude, I don't who else could have right. done that? Yeah, but right. does it even out? Is my question. Yeah. Does it even out to the point where the result is exactly the same? Right? right. It, it's I think it's a conversation you have to have and or just think about in general. Right. Um, so I think with Corpusalo, just to bring it back around, two year, even a one year, even mm-hmm. a one year to just give you that breathing room to figure it out on a, on a low cap hit. I think that's the way to go if you're if yeah. you want to retain him. And the truth is, you might have to <laughs> like uh, you might have to just try to convince him to take that contract because Copley Peterson, man, that's. <laughs> You're going to stay afloat a little bit, but you're going to yeah. have to play Cal in games. Yeah. And no one, no one feels, no one feels confident no. with that tandem. No. Like no. I, t- I say to you, Corpusalo Copley, you feel a whole lot better going into this year than you do. Absolutely. Peterson and whoever, <laughs> sadly, sadly, we are well-documented Cal Peterson fans, but it is just, it hasn't been there for him. And I think it's, it's too much to expect that it's just going to magically reappear over the summer. And certainly I haven't watched every single AHL game that he played. I'm assuming Rob Blake has someone who has. Numbers obviously. are good. Right. And so I'm guessing that I'm guessing that they haven't seen enough to feel super comfortable with the idea of Cal Peterson is going to be our NHL goaltender next season. I think right. it's a it's a nice desire to have because you've signed him like he's supposed to be an NHL goaltender, but you do bring up a good point. You bring up a, an excellent point where perhaps you try to get Corpusalo in net, but but perhaps that money is better spent and more useful to you long term on a Gavrikov than it is on a Corpusalo. Yeah, but I also think so. Let's say. You let him walk. You let Corpusalo walk. Mm-hmm. I still think you're gonna have to do something else in terms of the crease. Not sure what that is. I don't know if that's just bringing in like a journeyman backup. I don't know, mm-hmm. like someone who's just capable of just being solid enough, or you know, even keel enough to just win you some games when he's in there. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but but the defense certainly kind of transitioning over. The defense is going to need a lot of work. And it's not even just about this defense isn't good enough. It's just logistically speaking, you got guys on the right side that need to play NHL minutes. Yeah. And if Brand Clark is one of those guys, 
I think you have a lot of moves to make because Jordan Spence is waiting too. So yeah, I think with Spence, it's at the point where either he's going to be on the roster or you're going to have to trade him this summer. Like it's, you know, the, he's ready. I don't think anyone yeah. can argue that he could, he could play bottom pairing right side all day. Right. Um, Sean Walker in his exit interview said as much as, you know, he probably the most honest thing anyone's yeah. ever said is just like, yeah. Someone asked him, how that's do you feel a, that's about That's a man your... who knows he's going to get traded. Right. I think, the, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but the question was like, how do you feel about your standing with the roster next season? He's just like, not very good. Yeah. And I was just, what are you going to do? Like the guy, <laughs> he's he's not stupid. He's not going to act stupid. Right. And he's a very tradable, he has a very tradable contract. So I right. think that's, that's one, but you still need more in order to make this work. Are you going to go get a left side defenseman for the third pair? You know, I mean, someone, someone yeah. very low cap hit, just left shot someone who could get the job done. If if you're going to do that, now you got to move. Now you got to move Jersey. Yeah. Right? Like it's. Yeah. Unless, it's unless again, unless again, they're, and I certainly don't feel this way. I, I kind of been sour on him for a while now, but unless you feel comfortable enough to bring Bjornfoot up to be that guy, which. I feel like if they did feel comfortable enough, they would have by now, but they clearly haven't. So well, I don't know. It's tough because there was also no room. There's like, who are you going to sit? You're going to sit Jersey. Yeah, gonna... but the room would have been there if you didn't bother bringing back Edler. So there was clearly something there that made you feel like Bjornfoot couldn't be the guy for an entire season. For me, I would, if I have a like a little wish list, I think a bottom pair left shot D is one of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm assuming you're you're doing your best to resign Gavrikov, and I'm assuming he signs, mm-hmm. which brings up a whole other th- man. It brings up so many issues because you got to move money out now, yeah, just to get him signed. So now right. you're I looking think at, at that point, Jersey Walker kind of ends a, up being the yes, but is that enough? I think right now, the latest I was looking at, I believe the Kings have around, oh gosh, what do they have? I think five mil was what I saw for next year in cap. So if I'm looking at this correctly on cap friendly, um, sorry, they have 7.5 It was is what's the projected cap hit right now. Cap space. Um, Yes, projected cap space. I apologize. Um, that's without that's without Edler. That's without Corpusolo. That's without Gavrikov. That's without Kupari, Jared Anderson, Dolan, <laughs> McEwen. Oh boy, got to replace got to replace McEwen. Um, and then obviously Gabe Velarde, which will be a fair chunk of that seven and a half million cap space. Now, if you potentially, potentially, I'm just speaking in hypotheticals here. If you move Sean Walker, that's 2.65 off of there. So you're closer to 10 mil now. And, you know, Jersey, whether you like him or not, Jersey's cap hit is, is not that much. It's 1.7 million. So you really got to consider whether you're better off without him than you are with him with that number for how often you played him last season. Right. Right. So even with, let's say with Jersey moving, 
So that brings yeah. you at about like 11, 12. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's still yeah. not enough to get Gavrikov, Velarde, and Corpusalo. Definitely not. No. No. I think all the, uh, all the language seem to support more so a bridge deal for Velarde rather than a, uh, a larger seven-year contract kind of sure. thing. But what's that, four million? Yeah, I don't know. I think they're gonna I think they're desperately gonna try to get him to accept something for like two, two and a half for two years. <laughs> I don't see that happening. I, I don't either. I don't either, but I think I've been shocked before with some of these deals. That's true. That they Bridge deals especially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if they can reasonably argue that like you weren't even healthy this year. Yes, you're productive. Yes, you're valuable. We want to reward you with that. Here is a 300% raise to what you were making. You were making $800,000 last year. Here's $2.4 million for two years. Show us you can do it for two consecutive years, and then the big money is waiting for you, that kind of thing, which is basically what they do with the Kempe. Yeah. If I'm, I'll, I, I have to remind myself I mean, exactly how much Kempe's bridge deal was, but I think it was in that territory. But if he says, why don't we go to arbitration? He can do that. And then they can still sign a two-year deal. Um, a, but most, most players don't make it to arbitration. And you and they I don't. But if they, do, if they do in this case, you're looking at $4 million, maybe more for one year. Yeah. But the Kings can elect to, to make that a two-year deal in arbitration as well, if, they, if that's the number they come up with. Um, so Kempe's bridge deal was three years, two million each. So I think if you trim that, maybe even turn it into half the length or, or two thirds of the length at the same value, you go three mil, three mil, and you, you know, you, you start playing on the idea of like helps us keep the team together, helps us make a run, that kind of. Th I could I could see it is what I'm saying. I could okay. see somewhere in the two and a half to three mil territory for two years. And, and him accepting that, given his injury wonderful. history. Yeah. So say hypothetically he does, and then you're 11 million, assuming Walker is moved, your 11 million comes down to eight. Okay. You're still going to need a mil for Kupari, probably, and under a mil for Jared Anderson Dolan. So now you got like nine mil between Gavrikov and Corpusalo. Corpusalo and basically Bjornfoot. There really is no other RFA here. Uh, Fagimo, Thomas. I mean, these, these are small things. You know, like you throw that all together, that's another two million maybe with all the RFAs, two million, three million. So you're looking at like seven million left for Corpusalo and Gavrikov. It's very tight. It's very, very tight. And that's like right to the cap with, with no wiggle room to speak right. of. And, and we're talking about like a bottom pairing left side defenseman. Exactly. Exactly. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And then, so that opens up like the other topic of like, oh, are one of the top nine forwards now going to have to be moved? And we're back to the Iofalo conversation and maybe even yeah. the Arvidsson conversation. I don't know. And on and on and on. Yeah. So, in a, in the most perfect world anyone can imagine, you somehow move Cal Peterson's full contract. Somehow. Yeah. The likeliness, 
likelihood very low that someone's going to yeah. take that i don't know it's, you know who who's a bad really bad bad team that's still going to be tanking columbus poor columbus they're not going to be tanking <sighs> I, I not unintentionally but. yeah but they're they're going to try to they're going into the season trying to make the playoffs yeah but they're in a break Dude, they have line a and i know but like I, you I have know, to man, tr- you can't you I'm not saying try. they're not going to try, but I'm my talking point about is a that... team that's like we're still we're still trying to collect picks here. Like we don't, you know. Yeah. I'm just trying to see if I don't Arizona. I don't know if they're still there. Philly, maybe. Obviously, Chicago just won the draft lottery, so maybe Chicago. I don't know if, <laughs> what their cap situation is, but I assume they have plenty of room. Um, Philly's never going to admit that they're not in no, the race Philly's anymore. No, Philly's not going to go into tank. No. Yeah. No. Plus, they've already got like Carter Hart at four million. They're not going to be looking to bring on a big backup like that. For no one in the wise. Pacific is going to take. Is going to do the Kings no, this year. No one's going to so help us erase that. Yeah. So there there's really no options. one in the Central. The Central's still very competitive. I mean, Chicago Winnipeg might be. Chicago. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. Not not for that type of situation. I mean, they got four (laughs) second round picks. Good Lord, they have so many freaking picks because the NHL decided that they needed to keep all of those. That that was their punishment. You keep all your picks and you you think about what you've done. Chicago, like Taves coming off the books. I mean, their their goaltending situation is quite bleak. They got Peter Mrazek. Yes. And that's it. Alex Daylock is their UFA. They're projected to have 40 million in cap space. Do they even make the floor with that number? What That's is what floor? I'm saying. So if you got to reach the floor, maybe there's an appetite for a $5 million goaltender you could buy out next year. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you're right. Okay. All right. Fine. Fine. Maybe you I'll... you put, you know, you throw in, if you're going to trade Spence, maybe you throw in Spence. I don't know. To kind of be nice. like. Throw him Bjornfoot. He's a first round pick. Have him. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. He's, he's a winner. If 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 you want to move him, chances are Chicago doesn't want him. That's how I'm. Is. I'm aware. I'm uh, aware. Or dirt. You know, if you're gonna move Jersey, maybe just there you go. Exile. Now that's 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 a name. No, I'm serious. That would be a name that I think they would be interested in. He's a guy you played as your second power play unit. He was playing 20 plus right. minutes a night for two seasons. I he think that would be a way. Up a lot of, of minutes. And and that would be a way of of you know freeing up room for spence and clark to come in you really don't lose much from a roster standpoint you don't give up another pick yeah Yeah, that might be an avenue that might be an avenue worth worth considering i'll i'll send blakey a memo (laughs) yeah send him a text Dear Blakey. Put a lot of emojis in there. He loves that shit. XOXO Vardy. There you go. All right. So there's some so thoughts there. There's, you know, but again, that's a hail, you know, that's a long shot. Let's be honest here. Let's there. Yeah. You know, that's a little fantasy GM segment, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a all this to say the Kings have a lot of work. And I feel like we said this last summer that it was the most important summer under the Blake administration. That's 20, <laughs> the 2022 summer is going to be a make. Well, here we are again. The 2023 summer 
is the most important for this team moving forward. It's not even... I think there's less to do this year, though. I really do. Like, last year felt like there needed to be more dramatic things that needed to happen. Yes, and they this knocked is... it out the park with Kevin Fiala. I think he said so as much as, like, re- is like shaping the roster more than... Sure, yes. I think Blake used that Molding word. the clay. Yeah, it's just kind of like we have something. We know we have yeah. something, and now it's just kind of working out the details so right right yeah you don't you don't end up with a a two years in a row playoff team 99 points then 104 points without really having the makings of something good here i believe that agreed agreed who does that leave the coaching staff we touched on the penalty kill maybe there's a change there yeah todd mcclellan like they're not gonna fire him he has one more year left on his contract he just got 104 points coming off a 99-point season before that. Right. Blake flat out said he believes in his coaching staff very much. Right. They're not going to – I think he's got one year left on the contract, which is absolutely perfect for them because if they can't break through again after one year, then no one's got to fire anyone. You just – you walk away from it clear. Right, but does he want – you know, is he going to be like, where is my extension? bro you could Although do his that. quote his quote when they asked him about it i think dennis bernstein straight up asked him like do you want an extension and he's like i'm just taking like i'm just taking it a year yeah. at a time like big yeah. picture could I mean, be really fluff, what, but yeah but what is it what does a coach extent coaching extension really mean for an nhl coach really these days right like you're seeing gallant just got fired that's Sutter true just got fired i mean it's it's a joke at this I point mean, it's that if money, you're nominated right? for the, it is money yeah. it is money but for how quickly these guys just get picked up somewhere else like yeah he'll rarely, get another job yeah hundred percent he will hundred percent he will he's had he's had success with this team now we may not feel that way because there's you know there's there's always this component of people that it's like if you don't win the cup you failed that kind of aspect of things and it's like that's not realistic that's not how one team wins I, the cup man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's just you can't look at it that way, but you know, you're also not in the same situation I guess as as Daryl Sutter perhaps was in Calgary, right? Like there was an up and then there was a huge decline and then you're losing the room and the players are getting unhappy. Similar thing happened in New York, right? Chris Drury himself basically said that the exit interviews with the players kind of are what pushed him to to let Gallant go is that there was a sense of this isn't the right person anymore for this room same in Calgary right so I think that's that's you're not getting that sense from this team from these players I I have never gotten the sense that they're like tuning Todd out or are turning on like that's absolutely not tuning the coach out completely yeah. buying into the system for better or worse you don't like the there system i understand we can talk about yeah. that but the team bought into that shit and they and executed it to the best of their abilities and that's honestly that's that's sometimes more important than anything else that there's no conflict that there there's a unified thought and they're working as a team you can have success with that kind of build out where you typically fail is when there's a disconnect when people start tuning things out, when there's discussions secretly between the players every time the team's not succeeding, you know, like that's that that's the kind of stuff that you just can't overcome, and that's when a coach has to go. 
the Kings are nowhere near that. They really yeah. are not. Agreed. So to those people who are clamoring for a, a McClellan firing, even, you know, we've, we've said this a couple of times before that we don't necessarily think he's the guy who's going to lead them to the promised land. He may be the guy before the guy, but I don't see anything at the moment that would make me say he needs to be let go. He needs to be fired. I think he's got the team playing well. Give him when, when, when he's doing that, I think you give him a chance to show that he could be also the guy to break through. No That's arguments. No, it's, yeah. it's absolutely correct. It's yeah. absolutely correct. Okay. We, um, this is something we tried for the first time. Mailbag. See? Mailbag episode 100. Let's take it to the fans. And I was, just hoping for a few and that's what we got we got more than a few so thank yeah. you guys whoever did reply to that tweet um we will if we've answered the question so to speak um we'll maybe just kind of give you a cliff notes version of it yeah um hopefully our more thorough explanation earlier in the episode is good enough so let's let's start it off already give us our first one mr mailbag uh i'll go from the top down uh, the first real question was, uh, I'd love to know your guys' realistic take on how the bottom six and the bottom D pairing lineup look next season. I think we, we, and who, who asked that? Just, uh, that was LA Kings, Ireland, there you LA go. Kings, Ireland asked us that there one. You Thank you Good all work. the way from Ireland. I'm assuming, I'm assuming. <laughs> Thank you for the love. Um, I think we kind of, we kind of broached on some of that already, especially the bottom D pairing. I think we could talk um, about the, the bottom six a little bit. Sure, I think your third sure. line. I think your top nine, barring an Aya follow move, is is locked, right? Yeah. So you're really talking about the fourth line. Um, yeah. I well, think, I guess I guess the one question would be, who's your third line center? I think in a perfect world, it's either Velarde or, or Byfield. Mm-hmm. Probably Byfield. I don't know. Um, and does that kick Aya follow up to one? Does that kick Arvison up to one? Aya follow up to two? I don't know how that's going to align. But for the for argument's sake, let's say how we ended the playoffs, how the Kings ended the playoffs are the lines. Yeah. I think, I think you got to get Byfield in the middle of the ice at some point. And I don't know the sooner, the better. I think Gabe was great on the wing. No problem keeping him there. So yeah. I'm assuming I, the top, the top nine is what it was to close the season. Yeah. I agree with you. I think ideally, I think ideally you, you want Blake Lazat to be your fourth line center. You want Quinton Byfield to be, Eventually, if he's going to be your your top line center, like we said, two, three, maybe three, four years from now, you got to start by putting him as your center at some point as your third line center. And if you put him with a guy like Velarde, you're entrusting him not to just be out there chewing up minutes. You're expecting yeah. productivity out of him there too. So yeah. I think that's uh, fair. Bottom pair D, we mentioned maybe on the wish list, there's a left shot, but I think a lot of, so much of that is going to depend on who you move. Um, we would, I think Spence should be on that bottom pair. This is just me with a left shot, like a journeyman type defenseman, whatever you want to call someone cheap. Again, that does, that, that means you have no room for, for Clark. Uh, He could start in the HL and he could be called up later. So that's an option for him. So, uh, TBD LA Kings Ireland on that one. Right. Or he could be your seventh D and then you just kind of roll him and Spence back and forth, depending on what you're feeling options. Yeah. All right. right. Cool. So next from King Tut asking us your thoughts on the curious case of Cal Peterson. Such a complicated issue. It is. Thanks for the question, Jerry. Um, I think we touched on it. Um, If you can move him this summer, 
somehow staple a jersey or something to him and, and move him to like a Chicago. I think that's the idealist scenario that gives you some big time cap flexibility. Um, if you could do that, um, otherwise, if they believe he's going to be an NHL goalie, I don't know how much of that was just PR stuff. I just can't again can't envision it's going to be Copley Peterson to yeah. start the season. I have a hard yeah, time believing tough. that. So we kind of address that. Yeah. Uh, next one from uh, Davin uh, Scheinelding. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I apologize. As someone with a complicated last name, I feels you. Um, <laughs> what are both of your thoughts on who centers a third line and is addressing the second, third LD or goalie situation a bigger priority? Kind of address the first one. Uh, specifically answering the second one about what's more important, the second or third line lefty or goalie situation. I got to say goalie, man. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's, that's the, the, still a bigger situation than the See, second, I'm, third lefty. If second, third lefty is Gavrikov again, I think that's, yeah. I okay. think, I think that's my priority, man. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I think you think you got to roll with that top four. They were so good at shutting down. They really were. They really, really and like Gavrikov showed a little bit of offensive ability so yeah seems to be enjoying his time in la too so hopefully that goes yeah and i, and I think the next question blake d from ie is essentially the same um yeah talking about who's at center uh yeah i think they roll with velardi or, or byfield i don't think you, you need to go outside of the organization for that i think both yeah. those guys have at, at the very least in velardi's case much more proven that they belong in the nhl i have I'm, I was very impressed with Byfield. A lot of people are shitting on him left and right. I understand. Outside of that awful game five he had, I thought he was great. Uh, I shouldn't say that. I thought he was good. Yeah. Now, moving forward, is that enough? No. There's got to be more. There's got to be more from him. He lost 25 pounds. I, this, the, that part of the exit interview stunned me because I don't think we knew the, the yeah. amount of weight he had lost when he was sick. So he's had setbacks, man. Like, We've been hard on him a couple of times, but I think I'm at, at a point right now where I'm just like, I like what I saw in the playoffs. Those were tough games. That's the best offense in the league. Yeah, Leon Dreisaitl burned him twice for a goal. No shit. He's 20 years old. No yeah. kidding. You're you're putting him in a, in a spot on the top line now to start that series. would be like, hey, go check the best line in the world, child. Yeah. Good luck. So he had it tough, man. And I know he's he's kind of a whipping boy right now. I have full full confidence in him having a, a good season next season. So that's where I'm yeah. at with him. Every I, I've I've developed a new exercise where every time I find myself getting frustrated with him, and obviously the the reason we're frustrated is because of his draft spot. You know, like that's absolutely that's, very that's the reason. And Tim Stutzla's stats and all this. Stuff. So so I, I I've I've gone beyond the Tim Stutzla thing. I keep thinking to myself: Imagine if you had Alexis Lafreniere. <laughs> yeah. how would you feel right now yeah because that dude came in as potentially a finished product like it was supposed to be a seamless transition for him from you know junior to to big big boys and it has been nothing short of just bad not good it's just been bad i mean and, and so i can't even imagine like what if in some alternate bizarro universe the Rangers decided that they were going to take Stutzla first, and then the Kings were in the catbird seat, going, "Holy shit, we get we get the dude who we've been talking about for years, and he's going to be ours." Like we would have been over the moon if we got Lafreniere. 
And you could have had some very, very disappointing results. And then what would you be doing? Right. So this is, there's, there's always, there's always a worst case scenario, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Anyway. Agreed. And thank and you for congratulated. the, thank yeah, you. Yes. thank you, man. Appreciate it. Um, it's been a blast. Here's the 200 in five years. All right. Uh, next we have, uh, Eric Orlana. Uh, a main theme for me from the exit interviews was a feeling that if they played up to their potential, the series could have possibly turned out a bit different. Do you all see the answer to cut over the first round hump within the organization or is the potential solution somewhere else? I think you're done with the somewhere else at this point. Not, not all the way done, right? It's, it's, it's more like periphery pieces, Mm -hmm. but I think that, you know, Arvidsson, Dano, uh, Gavrikov, if he resigns, Fiala, like you've, you've got your homegrown and now you've got your mercenary types. I think that's, you're good. I don't, I don't know if there's any more going outside the organization at this point to, to fix problems. Can you shore up your fourth line or whatever? Like we talked about your bottom pairing, you can, but I think this is, it's just experience at this point, like just get better, learn from your mistakes. Like, like we said, the Kings are still in that learning phase. It's still acceptable to say they have things to learn. It's acceptable to say that they think they learned something from this series and they can now get better with it. So I think it's all internal at this point. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that the, um, the solution. So I think the difference between last year and this year, they were lacking something and they addressed that lack by bringing on Gavrikov, by bringing Fiala in the off season, by having a more mature season from Gabe Velarde. I think the things that they were lacking in their roster were, were there this year. I think what they were lacking this time around was a bit of urgency, a bit of, they were fearful, you yeah. know, they, they were, they were afraid of losing and they played like they were afraid of losing and that's never a good way to play. So I think that that growth that whether it's from the coaching or whether it's internally from the players and quite frankly, maybe a little bit of health at the right time. I mean, they had a really good season, but I, I still, I, yeah, it's still man, like going into that, if you knew that you had end to end your roster completely healthy with Gabe and Fiala and everyone, you know, ready to go game one, I think it changes things. I really, I really do think it does. So a little bit of luck, a little bit of internal growth, I think makes a difference here. Adrian Kempe thinks it would have been different too, although tough to argue with a two one series lead, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a, <laughs> it's a 12 pack from Richard our boy, Richard Sarabia. I love it. I love these questions. Um, these are great ones too. I like these. These are fun. All right. So to- starting from the top here, do you want to read them or do you want me to go for it? Yeah, go for it. You've been doing great. Okay. All right. Uh, who would you want to resign and trade for? What kind of players should the Kings draft since we have a lot of skill guys in the pop li- pipeline? How, how excited are you for the next season? Should the Kings change the colors and logos of their jerseys? Whew. All right. Uh, resign and trade for. I think we kind I, of Yeah, we got that. that. I, yeah. Again, a lot of it is just so dependent on like the f- – What's the first domino? You know what I mean? Like what's, yeah. you got to kind of wait for that. If it's Gavrikov, yeah. then, you know, everything changes, right? Like, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point, by the way, with regards to resigning the RFAs and Gabe, um, you, you don't have to resign him before training camp. So Gavrikov's a USA, UFA July 1st. So that may be, it has to be the first decision. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Um, what kind of players should they draft since we have a lot of skill guys in the pipeline? <laughs> draft goalies, baby. <laughs> Let's, <go. laughs> Let's draft some goaltenders. I mean, Portillo was a nice get. And, yeah. you know, that was, but you don't want to, you can't yeah. depend on, on those players becoming available in the future. Yeah, so. no, if I'm being honest, that's what I've been looking at. I've been looking at goalies and to see who's going to kind of slip into the second round. There really is no franchise top 10 goaltender this year in the draft. That's a lot of talent distributed all around, but there are a few guys that could go late first round, early second round. Kings obviously don't have a first round pick this season. So I think uh, using a second round pick on a goaltender Seeing as how that's a that's a huge point of uh, need within the organization, I wouldn't be too upset about that. Uh, how excited are you for next season? On a scale of five crowns, I'm a solid. <laughs> I'm a solid four. We're always going to be amped up around September. That's the way it goes, man. <laughs> that's true. That's Clean true. Clean sheet, you know, anything can happen. But that's that's just how it is. Training camp rolls around, right? Like the draft is like a nice way to get yeah. you ready for that then dev camp and all it just yeah at this point like we're we are who we are <laughs> yeah we're, we're hockey lifers like we're gonna we're gonna be excited so yeah uh kings change the colors and logos of their jersey <sighs> you know go i i don't i don't think here's the thing i don't want them to change it but i also don't want them to get rid of the reverse retros yeah which, which i feel are. like which they yeah that that part makes me sad i don't i don't need them to change anything i just need to know that a few times a year i'm gonna see some some awesome combination of yeah. purple gold and white out there i know you're a big would, purple fan purple should always be a part you've always said this I, this so. is it's it's i i will go to my grave saying that those will be my last words <laughs> they'll be the king should have had more purple <laughs> down i go <laughs> Uh, okay, Richard's next tweet. Do you think the older guys like Drew and Kopi should play less minutes during the regular season so they're fresh for the playoffs? If you were GM, what trades would you make? Should we change our goal song? Oh, I know we're going to love that one. Okay. Okay, uh, first one, yes. Yeah. They should. Doesn't mean they will. I mean, yes. you, it's taxing, right? Like, Kopitar shouldn't be playing 22 minutes in the middle of January, like, you know what I mean? In an ideal yeah. world, you peel them back a few minutes here and there, keep them under 20, you know, that would be nice. Uh, I just, it's got to get there, right? Like it's got to get to a point where that's working. So I don't know if you listened to, uh, to Jesse and Dooley kind of doing their, uh, their latest, maybe it was, I forget it was at the end of the GM inter of the exit interview recap, but, but Dooley made a really good point. I, I never thought of this before. Was it basically, those two guys in particular are playing in every scenario. They're yes. playing power play. They're playing PK. They're playing five on five and four and, on four and four on four and three on three when it and goes to overtime. Three, yep. Right. So he was making the point that he's like, you know, if you look at the PK and you make the case that like, oh, I need these guys out there because they're my best penalty killers. But then you look at the PK and you go, PK is not that good. <laughs> right. Like, Maybe, maybe that's where you look at it and you go, maybe if I just find other people who could do this, that's a good way to take away potential minutes. Now, obviously, you're taking away from guys who love to kill penalties. You yeah. know, that's that's what they live to do. But that was that was an interesting thought that I really hadn't hadn't considered as like a means of, you know, getting even even a minute and a half, maybe two minutes less per, per those guys, like 
you preserve them quite a bit to get to where they need to be. So just a thought. Agreed. Agreed. Great points yeah. by Zach. Uh, should we change our goal song? Yes, it sucks. I'm sorry. But this, <laughs> I think I think they hired, I think it's like an internal hire, like, or they commissioned the song. It's like, it only exists for the Kings. Like, it's yeah. not like they, they bought, licensed some song. We would like to license <laughs> some music. Um, what do you think, bud? What's your goal song? Uh, I've, I've got one goal song in mind and I feel like it's, it's, it's a travesty that it isn't our goal song. Guns N' Roses, Paradise City, forever, forever. <laughs> You've told me it's this got, before, so I'm not it's surprised. Got the, it's got the guitar riff. It's got like identifying LA factors to it. Like LA band. Yeah. LA band. The people know it gets the people going. It's it's the perfect song in my opinion and you can and you can leave hollywood nights as the closer i'm i'm i love me a little bob seeger right, send me home but just it, no one can top that man no one can top that in my opinion so i tried to top it cuz i saw richard's question it's just too hard man the only the only song i i came up with was enter sandman it's good because it's because you can sing along to it because it's yeah. like the kings wear black and you know yeah 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 exit light enter night mm -hmm. but it, it is a song about a child's nightmare so yeah, like, it is in the end it is but i i don't want to know what paradise city is about it could be a grass is green and the girls are pretty i mean that i don't know if that's <laughs> the most kid-friendly thing either but that's my choice dude it's enter sandman is just one of the most all-time if the crowd is into it and they're singing along with it just it's beautiful yeah, so it is great that's that's my choice you need arena rock, right? Like that's, right. that's the thing. You need that like everyone's going to go along with this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you're the Leafs, you play Hall & Oates. Same, same, same By the same way, thing. best goal song in the NHL. <laughs> best goal song in the NHL. I know you're a big fan. My favorite. Also, Shout by The Wild. It, those are my two favorite goal songs. That's good. You, you want to talk good. about I a like song that. that everyone will sing along to? It's Shout. Yeah. Played it at my wedding. Probably played it and, every, and everyone sang along. Everyone sang along. No, those are great, man. Those are those are good songs in there. And like I said, I think we got we have enough options. We're we're a we're a we're a city full of musicians. Like also Metallica so many... and LA band. There you go. That's what I'm saying. So I would I would like to see a little variance if we can. All right, good. And then Richard's last tweet. Ah, uh, he's sending us out good here. What TV series based on a video game are you guys looking forward to most? Fallout on HBO or God of War on Amazon? Which prospects are you guys looking to take the next step and see playing next season? Um, okay. Last question first. I think that's the yes. layup, right? Let's... Yeah. Brand Clark on three. Brand Clark. Yep. <laughs> that's <laughs> absolutely... That's the one, right? Like, that's the one. I, and the problem is, like, the forward guys, like, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Fagimo get a look, but yeah. I just don't... Like, where? When? Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the problem. But Brian Clark think, seems to, yeah. Yeah. The most open path is for Brian Clark excellence. And I look forward to it because he absolutely annihilated the CHL at the end of, at the end of this year. And so he is just ready to go right now. All right. And uh, then the video game adaptation. You know what I'm going to say? You're going to say Fallout because I I'm know gonna you love Fallout. I'm going to say Fallout because I played yeah. the living hell out of Fallout 3 and 4. I Probably my most played games of, of all time is Fallout 3 and 4. So And I saw what they did with The Last of Us and I was just like, all right, let's do it. 
in with within the Fallout universe. So that's that's mine. I didn't play a lot of God of War. I know you did, but so oddly enough, it's because I had Last of Us, and I so thoroughly enjoyed Last of Us that I don't feel like I need Fallout Fair. because it, it's got a very same post-apocalyptic kind of thing. Um, and and God of War is such a cinematic, oh, yeah. immersive, you know, lore-based full thing that I think. Yeah, I don't know if you watched the uh, the Rings of Power series on Amazon. It didn't get great reviews, but the cinematography of it and the production and the money they put towards this show, you apply that to God of War and you let the scribes that kind of penned that hmm. do their thing. It, it gets me excited to kind of see that series. I would I'm going to be super into that when it comes around. So, all right, that was awesome. good. That was good. Oh, right. Thank you guys for those questions, Richard. Thanks for your twelve pack. Keep them coming. <laughs> we might we might make this a regular thing. So yeah, summertime, perfect time for it. Yeah, episode right. one hundred, buddy. Yes, jersey number one hundred. <laughs> Wish it was there, but it is not. It is not. Glad it's not there. Let's keep it under ninety nine. Yeah. But I have an idea as to who I'd like this episode to be. Okay. I think it needs to go to the one man who has never worn a jersey and yet may be one of the most important people in the history of this franchise. A man who lived for this franchise with a microphone in front of him and probably inspired mm. us a little bit to kind of do this. Deep cuts. Also Deep has cuts. a jersey retired without a number. There you go. There you go. This is Bob Miller's episode in my mind. I love it, man. Uh, meant so much to my family. Like my... I. I don't know if anyone knows 100 episodes later, but my dad, when he came to America, like found the Kings, whatever. To this day, he just, he'll be like, I miss Bob Miller. Or like, or like Bob Miller was different or no one was as good as Bob Miller. He listened to that man for the entirety of his career, more or less, a few seasons, give or take. So means a lot. It's like the soundtrack of our childhood, right? Like the dis most distinctive voice, the true voice of the Kings, if they're, Similar to Chick Hearn, similar to Vince Scully, identify this man with this franchise. He was very much the soundtrack of my childhood. So I love it. I agree with it. Bob Miller episode. Bob Miller it is. Until we become the voice of the Kings, right? hey -o. Yeah. With our rate of 100 episodes, that should happen. That's right. That's right. We're we'll 95, so we'll get there. Good one. I enjoyed this. This was a nice, uh, nice pick-me-up. Cathartic. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you for the interaction. Thank you for the questions. Thank you for keeping following us and stick with us through the, through the off season. Hopefully like subscribe, give us all your reviews, enjoy the rest of the playoffs, enjoy watching the, uh, the Oilers and the Knights and not really having a dog in that fight and just being able to kind of analyze and, and, you know, think about how the Kings would fare against either one of those teams. It's, it's, it's good from a analytical point of view. Uh, that's all I got. Any parting words? No, just thank you. And I really sincerely, it's not just a hundred episodes. It's like over a thousand followers and it's been a slow burn, but I do not Leo regret Tolstoy. a second of it. Do not regret a Leo. second of it. Excellent. All right, guys, go Kings go. See you in the summer. You've been listening to the Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.